It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You, and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. This is a world of possibilities. A world in which people who put their minds to something can really make a difference. My goal is to help the environment. Someday I'll find a cure for cancer. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we believe that aspiring minds can achieve anything. So we dedicate ourselves to making sure everyone has an opportunity to go to college. Each year, we provide more than $150 billion in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about Money for College at studentaid.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and a huge welcome to the Gina Gardner and Friends Show. John North, who is my guest today, and I have worked together for a number of years, his great friend, and he has an incredible track record. Not only is he a seven times number one international best-selling author, but he's ranked on the Wall Street Journal and USA Today. He helps authors get their books published, get them written, get them published, and get them to number one best-selling status. He has all sorts of other things going on, but today we're going to be talking about hybrid publishing and how to create and publish your own book. And to do that, no matter whether you see yourself as a writer or not, so long as you've got something really worth talking about. So, John, a huge welcome. Thanks, Gina. Welcome. Great to be here. So before we get started, can you just share some of your journey? How have you come to be doing this? And I know you've helped over 2,500 authors. So this is not a small operation, but you do not many things. Yeah, not a comparison. The, the funny thing about it is I, I think a lot of people said this stuff happened by accident because <laughs> I was I was doing some software for um, like a CRM kind of software that we were selling and using for marketing. And we I went to the US and I went to this seminar for a three-day thing and we thought it was about the software. And somehow the guy did a switcheroo in the, in, a, in the book publishing. And so I walked in doing one thing and came out doing something else. And I sort of went a bit weird, but... Yeah, I just sort of, sort of fell into it and then sort of realised how powerful it was to be able to write a book, to be able to sort of do better marketing. So we had a lot of people who were doing marketing and they didn't really have anything to talk about. So we realised that if you did the book first, you actually had something to talk about that proved you knew what you are talking about and marketing was easier. So that's how we kind of switched it around and we came back and thought, hang on a minute, this is easy. If they write a book, they've got to be, it's got to be structured, it's got to explain what they do well Therefore, we can use that as a marketing tool and then we can sell people that book or give that book away or whatever. And that's kind of we sort of moved on from there, sort of got hooked by it. But I, I remember when I was like, I think, 11 or 12 or something, I wanted to be a journalist. 
and I also wanted to publish books and, you know, write uh, books. And I wrote some books, like, on the side sort of thing as a kid, but never did anything. So it wasn't until I was, like, 45 or something before I published the first book. And back, you know, back 40 years ago, as you would have known, publishing a book wasn't easy. It's not something you just sat down and wrote and published and, and did it. You had to go through a publisher. You had to, you know, do stuff. Nowadays, it's so much easier to do that. Um, because these platforms will pay you for it, where in comparison before you used to pay for it, you know. You know, when I first published my first two books, um, they're, they're written in tandem. That's how to um, to manage your staff more effectively and kickstart your career. I went initially to a publisher and one, well, there were a couple of problems. One, that they they wanted me to rewrite the book so it became something completely different to what I'd intended and what I felt was important. But also it was going to take 18 months uh, and by publishing it myself. And you're quite right. It cost me a lot of money because I had bought in expertise for each yeah. of the different um, things that needed to be done. Um, but it was very, very clumsy and clunky and time consuming. Um, now, I've used your services to help me having written my book when we first started. In fact, we republished a book uh, because it was with a different publisher um, and uh, the constraints in terms of how I could use it and change it were really quite draconian. Um, and yeah. so we slightly changed the book and republished it. Um, there's lots of different ways that you can help people with their book, isn't there? Both writing it and making the most of it once it's written. And I think the thing is what you think about is the differences between, like there's, to my, in my mind, there's kind of three differences. There's, there's a publisher, there's like your, your big publishers that publish books for people, hybrid publishers, which I'll talk about later, and kind of what we are, and also self-published authors. So there's kind of like three layers to this thing. If you like the sandwich, the publishing sandwich, and the hybrid publisher just got to sits in the middle. Um, but the thing is, the way it kind of works is that when you go publishing, yeah, you've got all those problems you've got to get through in terms of they want to rewrite the book, they want to change the cover, they want to change the title, and technically, you usually don't end up owning it anyway. So it's all that delay that goes through that process, plus 18 months can be before the book comes out. And so a lot of people kind of go down that route thinking that's the best way to do it. And I think that's, I have a lot of people saying I'm putting in submissions and all sort of stuff. But the reality is, is that publishers use the old 80-20 rule or less even. Probably 90% of the titles they do, they never touch it ever again. It just goes back in the storeroom and they never see them. And so they're walking in that little 10% that's going to work for them. And the rest they don't really care about necessarily. So that's the danger of going out there and thinking you can just go and get a publisher and everything be good because publishers aren't marketers. That's why they're called publishers. Yeah. So... So I think the thing is nowadays you can, the nice thing about it is the social media platforms and Amazon and, and Apple and those sort of, they want you to create content for them because they can then use that to generate customers. So it's a, the game changed in that situation. So publishers are definitely on the, on the outer now because they've been really been wiped out by Amazon. Um, and so I think that's good because it means you got you can do it yourself. So that's where the problem lies though, is people think they can write a book and do it all themselves without any, it's the first time, their first rodeo, if you like, and then because yeah. they learn a lot or they cost them a lot of money or they never finish it and all that kind of thing. So you hear that sort of drama of what they've created themselves without any actual strategy to start with. So we kind of do what I call the Tarantino when we do a book, um, and that is we start at the end and work our way backwards. So, you know, when you see a Tarantino movie, you see this, they usually put the state, end of the show at the start and you spend the entire movie trying to figure out how that fits. 
And and so that's what we do. We kind of do cover, title, strategy, table of contents, all that stuff first. But most authors do it last, particularly the cover and the title. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the thing, and I've worked with a number of people who have such great expertise to share. And one of the things that we talk about is writing a book and why, at a business level, it's so important. Mm. Um, we, you know, we talk about the fact that that it gives you uh, credibility. You know, there's still that mystique about people who've got a published book, um, yeah. but your your expertise and your standing as an expert, as somebody to listen to, I think is hugely improved um, mm -hmm. by having a published book. And certainly in the early days of my first two books, that was my calling card uh, to prove my credibility when I was changing industries. It has so many um, really important um, positives to have a published book. Um, you've talked about the fact that it helps marketing. But I think people understanding the why behind their book before they start writing, mm. or we're mm. going to be talking about writing a book without writing later on. Yeah. Um, because if what you want to do is to write a book that shares your family history with your, your family and your friends, that's a very different purpose that somebody that's got a message that they want to get out there um, and then knowing who your your audience are going to be and why you want to talk to them, I think is incredibly important. Is that part of your process at the beginning when you're start, as you say, doing reverse engineering and starting from the end um, going forward? I think why is a good question because the thing is that in why works a lot. When we used to do is tech support for for accounting software, we used to ask them why they're doing this, why are you doing this, and most people don't know why. They usually say, "I'm just doing it because I thought it'd be a good idea" or whatever. So sometimes it's asking just why are you doing this, what do you want to get out of it? It's a good place to start. I mean, we interesting enough. Like we always look at more legacy and logic books, right? So the legacy book is is more about you and stuff like that, and it takes tons more time to write. Yeah. And people try and start with a legacy book. And I often say, mate, start with a logic book that you can write quickly and easily about what you know. Yeah. It's a lot easier. Like that any, any English teacher will tell you, right, is write what you know. It's much easier than write what you don't know because they get found out pretty quick, right? Yeah. And and yeah. we had a, we had a, a someone who came to my sister referred this um, author to me that actually didn't have very long to live. She only had a, probably a couple of months to live. Goodness. And she published, she'd written this book about um, some some stuff that happened, some tragedy stuff that happened in in North Queensland with the Aboriginals and the and all that sort of stuff. And it was a very sort of book she always wanted to publish. She wanted to leave a legacy of that book and and really expose what happened. And so we published that book, and she got it in her hands. And I mean, she probably only lived a couple more weeks after that. But but that was sort of the biggest smile, you know, like probably got her a couple more extra weeks of life in some respects because of that, achieving that goal that she wanted to do. So her big why was to publish it before she died. That's a pretty big why, right? It certainly is. And what a legacy that you enabled her to leave. Yeah. yeah. And in part, that's yeah, really part of your legacy, isn't it, that you help people um, leave a marker, which now for me there's a number of things that, that having a book um, I think is so important in terms of the work that I do. It allows people access to your knowledge, your expertise, your experience in a very inexpensive way. Mm -hmm. That for a few 
dollars, a few pounds, people can have an encapsulated version that if they were going to work one-on-one um, would cost them much more and that they can work at it at their own pace, that, you know, that it's there and longer after I'm gone, there will be that legacy of all of the books that I've written that will still have validity um, because they're talking about how to live your best life, how to, um, to be a great leader. But the other thing about it is that by writing the book, my thinking has moved on. The actual mm. process of writing, I think, really solidifies um, your thinking and why Why did I do it and why did I do it in that way? Um, mm. And it gets underneath that, and I think that can be so valuable. Yeah, I think the thing is you got to look at is you know the big why why are you writing that book? But at the end of the day, it's it's it depends on what's going to happen as a result of that book. And so sometimes people hold themselves back because they don't think they they know enough or whatever. The reality is is that um, to me it is a business card because it tells you you know it's a marketing plan too in my mind, or it's it's a great uh, cleansing process too because a lot of people have a business is really complicated sometimes. And you go well, what makes what's the eighty twenty rule? Who what makes all your money? What should you focus on? What should you write a book about? And they write a book about something that's actually so little in their business and not worth it, right? Yeah. And they spend all day doing something else that they're good at. So f- figuring out what you're good at that you can do quickly, even if it's your only, like sometimes I say, well, get a book out and then you can always write another one, right? Yeah. Like I've done seven and now I do was do one a year. But the reality is, is that almost things like you don't, it's not like you're restricted to one book. You can write your first book, get it done and then write another one or read, you know, change that book coming in again. We did a client, we did like four books on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. And the last one was the best one because we, we sort of learnt so much in that process of writing those other three that we really nailed that last book. Yeah. But it was really a replication of all the other books, but it was a much improved version of it, right? And so getting an idea of what you're trying to achieve and then the quickest pathway to it sometimes is the best way rather than trying to figure out a way to make it really hard for yourself. Um, People yeah, do love to overcomplicate things, don't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. that's a conversation that you and I have had many, many times about yeah. keeping it simple. The other thing that strikes me about this is when I'm writing a book, I think about if I was my younger self and I was going through this, what are the things that would actually either short circuit the system or enable me to evolve and develop more quickly and more effectively and more easily? And I think often the overcomplication comes because when you're wanting to give people that information, you want to give them everything um, rather than distilling it to in my if I had um, you know things that would make this easier quicker and uh, more straightforward cost me less money cost me less time and effort what would those things be and Mm. often they as you said are the simplest things yeah, well, interesting thing, we've got a little exercise we put our authors through and we ask them to write a letter from, from a reader that's read their book before they've even written it. Right. And, and, and it's quite amazing because you're writing from the other person's perspective of what they got out of the book. So almost like future pacing, what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And it's a very interesting exercise. And, mo- and when they do it, they realise something that they wouldn't have got any other way was they had to take themselves in their own sort of skin and put in someone else's shoes essentially and figure out what, what that person would want out of it. It's a whole different mindset of thinking that through. And so, yeah, we find that's quite a good exercise we get them to do. We write, get them to write a letter 
from from saying all you know, somebody's read the book and what they got out of it and all that sort of stuff. Um, it works really well to kind of figure out what the big picture might be and the net result. Really powerful. Now we're going to go for a short break, John. But when we come back, I want to talk about the 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 concept of writing a book without ever picking up a pen. Yeah. So don't go away. While we're uh, on our break, have a think about what level of expertise, experience have you got either professionally or personally that could have helped your younger self if only you had known uh, what it was. So see you in a minute. Meet Norm. He lives with anxiety. But with the help of this latest innovation from Be Normal, he can be normal, just like everyone else. With the swipe of a finger, you can project happiness, confidence, machismo. Why settle for being real when you can be normal? The Normal Maker, new from Be Normal. This item doesn't really work because there's no such thing as normal. We're all different. What we like, how our brains work. In fact, one in five of us live with mental illness. Don't filter who you are. Start by talking to someone you trust. And remember, there is no normal. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back. So, John, we're going to talk about how you write without writing. Yeah. That's potty, doesn't without it? Without log cabin. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the log cabin. <laughs> yeah. So talk us through how you can write a book without writing. Well, and I think that, in 90 days, you talk about actually doing it. Yeah, in 90 days. Yeah. So when I used to do a lot of networking, somebody said, what do you do for a living? And I used to say, well, I used to help people write books in as little as 90 days without writing a single word and be an international bestseller. And I had to practice that quite a lot to get that out. Um, but the reality was that, um, that I said, how do you do that, right? First question. And, and I think the thing is that part of it's about strategy and about thinking out the big picture. So by thinking out, and the other thing we use a lot is, particularly in business books, is what I call pathways or success paths or anything like stuff like that. So it's kind of thinking four or five things that might they might lead from start to finish. Like I guess a skinny person, a fat person, right? What's the journey between weight loss? You know, not everybody just starts off, let's say, fat and then becomes skinny. There's always that thing in the middle. Yeah. And so by that scenario, we are at, at that Perth journey. Where are you on it at the moment too? So you might not be. You might not be overweight. Let's say you're mildly overweight, but you want to become thin, all right? So looking at all those different scenarios and figuring out what the pathway might be and then planning out what we used to write the table of contents. Once you've done that, then you're just plugging in holes. You're really sort of tiny project management then. And then by recording it, if you're a talker, some people aren't talkers, right? So if you're a talker and you can, and you can transcribe it by just basically saying it on audio, but by having a plan at the start before you start, so then you start rambling on, you know, you've written your table of contents and you've probably written a little bit of a, an outline of what you want to talk about and then a very structured kind of conversation. Now, sometimes that works better when someone else does it with you, so they're asking you questions. We've done it before where we have a four or five questions we want to ask based on that chapter and then we ask the questions and they, they tell us the answers. And by structuring it that way, you get so much more done because you can speak probably four or 5,000 words in, an hour. Yes. Um, so you can actually write that book in like in a week because basically you can just talk it. Um, as well as what you've got in the kitty, kitty already. So a lot of people who are writing, let's say you're writing a book on real estate or something like that, chances are you've got a very well-educated hard drive. 
So you've got all this stuff on your hard drive you've got over the years that you've written out, letters you've written to people. I wrote once wrote an email to someone that I actually recycled back into the book because I reckon it was actually explained everything really well. So oh, I've got an email I wrote about this. So go and do that asset test and just find anything you might have written or got access to. Um, so you can actually build out that. It's almost like a science project if you like. You're trying to find all the components to, to build this thing. Um, but treating it little small chunks rather than big chunks. And that way you can actually build it slowly but much, much faster because you've got these little how do you eat an elephant kind of thing, like a little piece at a time. It's, I think, an incredibly powerful structure and approach. Yeah. Interestingly, when I wrote my first books, and you'll know that I'm not particularly technical. Um, John will often say, it'll only take a little while, and four hours later, I'm still struggling. And then he'll come and rescue me by taking over my computer. And uh, But I, I did that very thing, but I did it using, you know, those polythene uh, bags that you keep things on files and I broke my book down into chapters and I had um, a plastic bag for each chapter when I had a thought I would write it down on a scrap of paper it would go in there and so if I had half an hour then I'd just think right what do I want to write about and I would look at a little chapter but of course the software that's available now things like Otter AI where you can speak into it and as you speak into it it automatically does a transcription for you yeah exactly you see it in real time it's pretty good now yeah and and much more reliable in terms of actually understanding what you're talking about because a lot of the early ai's they basically you, you spend most of your time trying to fix up what what they've mistakenly got but now it's really good at picking stuff up um so i think at the end of the day you know now's a great time to write a book when it used to be maybe even 10 years ago even five years ago it wasn't as, as easy as it is now because of the automations and the way that, that AI can sort of pick stuff up. So so leveraging that technology and figuring out the best way to do it. But but to me, it's like anything you most people do is they build a house. You don't just start building today. You've got to have plans. You've got to figure out what it's going to look like on the outside and that kind of stuff. And that's the thing that most people don't spend a lot of time on. That's the cover and title stuff. They spend almost as little time as possible on it, I've seen. So... That's the bit that I think is the most important part is getting the cover and the title right at the start because now you've got your house plan, if you like. You've got your outside of the house going to look like when it's finished. Then you know what it's going to be like inside. You can move things around. You can understand it. Otherwise, you end up in this problem of actually changing things along the way or the book doesn't end up what you think it's supposed to be. I mean, other people send me covers and I go, what the hell is this? And it's like, well, it's a book about HR. So it looks like something else. Yeah. It's like, did you think about this? It's like, oh, about, about five minutes. <laughs> I mean, one of my clients we know very well, he wrote a book and, and basically took a photo this day of, of him and he looks like a surgeon, but he's not a surgeon. So he put that on the front cover. It's like you didn't think about anything about that book. You thought that was a cute photo to use and you just used it. It didn't even look like you. And it's like you didn't think about it. And those things of people, that's when they're too close to it, right? They're, they're not yeah. getting that that extra advice or anything like that. They're way too close to the project. I think there's a, a number of things that, that are worth picking out of that, John. And one is this whole business of, you know, if you're a business person, the chances are you've got a business plan and you're strategic about what you're doing and you mm. need to carry that same technique in terms of being strategic when you're writing a book. And in some ways it, it makes 
even more sense to do that because you're going to have something tangible that's going to stand the test of time. And so spending that time on planning so that it's streamlined and that you haven't got lots of extra stuff that doesn't add value makes a huge amount of sense for your reader. But also it's going to save you time and energy and money because dealing with the whole thing is going to be much more straightforward. And the funny thing about it is there's a good saying out there, I wish I had more time to write less. Yeah. Well, don't right. you find when you're trying to write anything that if you've got – I write lots of articles for different um, for different magazines and – the short articles are much more time-consuming to write because they need to be much pithier and much more to the point. You try doing a business card, right? Yeah. I can I can find that a business card will take ten times longer than a two-page brochure. Yeah, and a two-page brochure will take you know like a you know as soon as the smaller it gets, the less it gets, the harder it gets. Yes, and yeah. and so I think that's probably why Twitter confused a lot of people, right? And so at the end of the day, it's like you, you know to write less is actually an art than not writing too much. Yeah. And I think that's that's the bit that tightening it up and that getting an editor to do that kind of stuff is I think if you if you're trying to edit your own book and try and proofread your own book, that's where you're gonna fall foul of a lot of problems. And I've, so that's I what I certainly know um particularly around proofreading your own book, you're too close. You've seen it and you make assumptions about what's there rather that's than really reading it. We're going to go for another break now, but when we come back, I'd like to explore the whole business of bestseller status and why um, that is something that people really ought to think about, not just writing their book, but how um, to get their book to bestseller status, to stand out from the millions and millions of books that are being published all the time. So don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Are you or a loved one struggling with addiction? Rancho Milagro Recovery is an accredited drug and alcohol addiction recovery program treating the whole person through their lifelong recovery process. Our process incorporates both medication-assisted treatment and psychological therapy to help all aspects of an individual's mind, body, and spirit. Our lavish accommodation sits on 60 acres of outdoor greatness where your privacy and discretion is our utmost concern. Find lasting recovery and walk away from addiction one step at a time. RanchoMilagroRecovery.com I think unless you are a heart disease patient, you may not know how much work the American Heart Association does behind the scenes to save your life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's work at helpheart.org. Welcome back. So, John, you've got seven bestsellers. I've got three, uh, thanks to you, I have to say. Um, why is it so important to have that status, particularly today? Well, I think the thing is too, and, and we probably need to talk a bit about hybrid publishing too, because there's a couple of components there about this. Again, it's a bit about strategy. So, and I spoke to someone today about this whole thing, you know, on LinkedIn he's talking about, oh, I've done these bestseller books and stuff like that. And I looked at his book and I said, I could do 10 times better than what you did. And that's because you didn't do it properly at the start. So number one is getting all that stuff right at the beginning, getting the, the cover right and all that sort of stuff, getting that, getting, get it published properly Next stage of the thing is bestseller. So there's a big difference between being a best-selling author and just an author. And for a media's perspective, that's where it makes it interesting because they want to talk about a best-selling book because it sounds good um, as opposed to just, I wrote a book because anybody could, you know, in theory could write a book, right? Yeah. Not everybody gets to be bestseller. And the thing about bestseller too is it's a bit of a kind of an odd classification because no one is going to show up at your house and give you an award. 
yeah. so they're not going to show us hey here's your special special prize for being bestseller because Amazon um, is probably the place where most of the bestsellers get created. But what people don't understand is Amazon's not a bookstore; it's an e-commerce store. So what they think is that when you go into a, a bookstore and publishers think the same thing, is a two you know two categories. That's it. You know, you stick it in self-help and you stick it in general marketing or something, and you're done. And so what a lot of people, when they publish books, is they think that's what they've got to do. With bestseller, though, there's a way in Amazon particularly being able to extend those categories out and get more categories. But if you have a look at them, most of them are shirtless guys, right? So it's got, of course, romance sells, right? Okay, so you're competing against all these romance books, right? And so when you think about it, well, how many books do you need to sell? That's a lot of books per day to sell. And we did that when we did USA Today and Wall Street Journal. We either sell 2,500 books a day for like five days in a row to be able to get those rankings. So how can people find you and, uh, you know, where would they go if they wanted to work with you to help them write their book and to get bestseller status and or? Because if you've got a book written already, presumably you can help people get to bestseller status. So if you want to get in touch with me, probably best place to start is johnnorth.au, um, which is the easy one to remember. Thank you, John. It's been great. And I would like to say to you, please do be in touch. Go to my website, genuinely-u.com. You'll find all sorts of programs, all sorts of resources, or email me at gina at genuinely-u.com. Do join us on the next show. Thank you very much for being part of this one. John, thanks again. Thanks, Gina. Much appreciated. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.